0: Publishing a book is a victory, but it's not the end. After you sweep up the confetti and wash the champagne flutes, what's next? Authoring Onward is the podcast about those steps after your first publication. Going from published author to having a long-term writing career. And that has no clear endpoints and plenty of ups and downs. But telling stories for the long term is so, so worth it sit back, listen, and together, let's author onward. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Authoring Onward podcast. I'm your host, author, editor, and book coach, Connie B. Dowell. And it is a very, it's a false spring, it feels like spring today, but I know winter will return, <laughs> but it's such a lovely day that you may actually hear some nice birds in the background of um, this intro. I am recording with the window open, which is normally a podcasting no-no, but I figure if there's a large, loud car sound or something, I can always re-record, but hopefully we got a little nice spring-ish bird ambiance going on. Um, So, uh, spring is not quite here, but I am certainly looking forward to it. I'm springing into action, still working on my novella for the upcoming, um, the upcoming anthology, Mysteries, Midsummer, Sun, and Murders, that we'll be releasing on the first day of summer. And so fig- I figured out who did it, which is always a fun part of the writing process for mysteries. Uh, so that's what has been happening in the writing world with me. And next, um, so next, I also have an upcoming webinar that y'all might have remembered from last week coming up on March the 3rd jump the first hurdle in self-publishing. So it is uh, a webinar about a lot of the rookie mistakes that I made when I was first self-publishing that I see coming up again and again in new self-publishing authors um, in my work as a freelance editor and a coach. And I, I see the same things popping up pretty frequently. So this webinar is about how to avoid those rookie mistakes and get yourself set up to be off and running um, right out of the gate. It's March the 3rd, 7pm Eastern, and there will be a replay. So if you can't attend, or if you're in a time zone, where that's going to be really weird, um, go ahead and register and you will get the replay link after that webinar has finished. Um, so registration, the link for that is in the show notes to this episode. All right, so moving on to the content for today, I have a lovely interview with fellow mystery author Landis Wade, um, also a fellow podcaster. Um, So he hosts the Charlotte Readers podcast, and so he also interviews authors um, all the time. And so we had a a great chat, lots to talk about, um, lots to talk about, about writing, specifically historically inspired fiction, um, because that's another thing we have in common. I write historical mysteries, and he has a forthcoming book, which is a mystery that is not, it's not a historical mystery, but it is historically inspired by some very interesting historical controversy, which I will not spoil for you. You will just have to listen on and see what it is. So here we go. All right, so today on the podcast, I am so pleased to be talking with um, fellow mystery writer and fellow podcaster, Landis Wade. Welcome to the show, Landis.
1: Connie, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. I love listening to your podcast.
0: Oh, well, I'm so glad to have you on. Would you like to give us a little brief introduction to you and all of the things that you do?
1: Sure. I'm uh, what you would call a recovering trial lawyer. That means that I was a trial lawyer for 35 years, uh, primarily in the civil world, uh, fighting cases involving contracts and that good stuff. And uh, in my late 50s, I wrote a few short uh, novellas. And uh, when I got to be about 61, I thought uh, I needed to be a little more creative in my 60s. And so I retired from the practice of law. I started a podcast where I interview authors. And now I'm doing all this fun creative stuff like uh, podcasting and writing. And uh, and uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So you've, you've got quite a robust um, interviewing authors, um, a lot of exciting stuff. Um, and you've got a book, it, it's coming out in April, right?
1: Yeah, April 5th, it's called Deadly Declarations. And it's, uh, it's a mystery with the historical component that... Uh, is set right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I am. It's uh, it's kind of history hiding in plain sight. We'd love to talk about it. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a journey I've been on while I've been podcasting, interviewing all these authors who are much better writers than me. And I just thought, hey, I'm going to take some things I learned from them and turn it into a novel.
0: Yeah, well, I can't I can I can't, um, help but recommend that as a great way to learn about writing. It's to just talk with lots and lots of authors. Um, so tell us a little bit about your, your novel and how there, because it's not historical fiction, but there's a historical component, is that right?
1: Yeah, so it's the mystery has historical because the mystery dates back to uh, May of 1775, and few people probably know this story, it's, uh, it, it, but it was a story that um, ended up with uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson writing letters back and forth to each other. Uh, John Adams accused uh, Thomas Jefferson of concealing this document. Uh, and the document I'm talking about is it's what's been referred to as the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. In May of 1775, uh, shortly after the British marched out of Boston and marched on Lexington and then on the Concord. And we had that shot heard around the world. Uh, it took a while for that news to get to the South. And it got to the South around May the 19th, 1775. And a big meeting was held, two representatives from all the militia, uh, 12 militia in the surrounding area. And they got together. And they declared, as the story goes, independence from the largest nation in the world, Great Britain. and. Uh, You know, that was one year before they got around to doing it in Philadelphia. So there's a fellow named Captain Jack. He's got a statue in Charlotte here. He was a tavern owner. He jumped on a horse. He took this document 500 miles to Philadelphia, a very perilous ride. When he got there, he gave it to the North Carolina delegates. They told him they thought his actions were premature. They sent him home and they never wrote about it, never told anybody about it. Um, And yet in 1818, this story surfaces. John Adams finds out about it. He says it's the greatest uh, curiosity and deepest mystery that ever occurred to him. And he was a believer. Thomas Jefferson said, no, 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 it's spurious. I don't believe. I don't believe in this apocryphal gospel. And so it pitted Virginia and North Carolina against each other. Uh, and it, just, uh, it was such an interesting story because it had all of these different uh, controversies and conspiracies tied up in it. You had burned documents, missing documents, stolen documents, fabricated documents, and yet, you have these very upstanding citizens from the Revolutionary War who fought in it, who say they were witnesses to the signing of this Declaration of Independence. So that's the history component in the book. And so what I thought I would do is set a modern day mystery in a retirement community because who doesn't love you know, retired characters, right? <laughs> and, and have them stumble into a couple of mysteries that uh, set them on this path to try to unwind what actually happened in May of 1775. And as the story goes, you know, that is if they don't die trying. So, because somebody doesn't want the secret to come out. Somebody doesn't want the true story of the Mecklenburg Declaration to surface. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got, uh, you know, it's that's the storyline, so to speak. Three retirees, one lawyer, he gets kicked out of his retirement, he gets kicked out of his big law firm, ends up in a retirement community, doesn't want to be there. Two other retirees, one of whom is a historical conspiracy theorist, uh, likes to shoot fish in a pond and a former businesswoman who uh, kind of keeps the men in line. They encourage him to uh, go along this path. And the, the book opens with a 96-year-old man who's died in the residency. And when they find his body, his manuscript on the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence is missing. And uh, they also find out that he's, uh, he's signed a handwritten will and cut his only heir out of his uh, $50 million estate and given all his assets to the most despised resident at the Independence Retirement Community, Sue Ellen Parker. And so, anyway, it sets them on this path. There's a le- because I'm a lawyer, you know, I had to put a little kind of legal thriller in it, but it's kind of legal thriller light. It's a lighthearted legal thriller to some extent. They go to court to challenge the will, and the way that the lawyer thinks he's going to prove that the that this man lacked testimony capacity is to prove that no one could possibly believe in the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, and by simply believing in that he was crazy. <laughs> and then all these facts start to surface, and you find out that there's this uh, group of evildoers who's trying to keep the secret, and that's how it kind of uh, unfolds. But, you know, it's, it, it's like I said, it's historical in the sense that we do dive into all those facts, and they go delve into the history that's involved, but we do it in the context of, uh, you know, elderly, you know, amateur sleuths, which I have a lot of fun with, because I am one of those, becoming one of those elderly, amateur <laughs> sleuths
0: yeah no that's really fun there's a lot of interesting elements that you're bringing together here um as you described it as like a legal thriller light that i'm hearing this and going i hear elements that cozy mystery ri- readers would really love um and so like if they are curious about <laughs> legal thrillers this might be the entry point um
1: right. to have yeah. those amateur
0: sleuths and
1: because yeah, I like to have a good time. And you know, when I was in the courtroom all the time, it wasn't always a good time because there's a lot of pressure, a lot of angst there. And I like to tell folks that uh, you know, when I was practicing law and you go to court, no matter how much preparation you do, there are always things that are gonna happen that you have no control over, right? You have no control over what's gonna happen in the courtroom. The beautiful thing about being a writer, and you know this kind of because you've written a number of books. You've got control over what happens, <laughs> and so you know it kind of takes the pressure away from you uh, if it's in an area that you've got some experience in uh, to go in there and control the narrative. And I had a great time controlling the narrative, and of course, making things happen in the courtroom that might not ordinarily happen, but uh, they're fun for the reader.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you can have some, you can have some fun with, um, like writing what you know, and then also just making it, making it a extra fun um so this is like the first i've ever heard of um the, the possibly apocryphal other declaration of independence um this is really interesting how did you come across that as a subject matter
1: yeah so and and, and you would say that because you're you're in richmond of course and uh, mm. you know you're you're close you know you're in, the, in virginia and of course more presidents came from virginia than any other state so the virginians not happy believe it or not in the 1800s when North Carolina was trying to claim a bigger part of the narrative of what happened in the Revolutionary War. The Virginians didn't want that at all and so they tried to squelch it and so the way I found about it is you know I grew up in Charlotte it wasn't taught in the schools Um, it's as I said it's kind of history hiding in plain sight there are a few little monuments around the city but you'd have to look closely and you would have to be paying attention but there was a group that got started called the May 20th Society in Charlotte. Uh, sounds kind of like a secret society, right? But it, it, anyway, May 20th was Deck Day. That's the day they signed the Declaration of Independence in Mecklenburg County uh, in 1775. And so every May 20th, there's a celebration. There were huge celebrations of this in the 1800s. We've had five presidents come to, to Charlotte to celebrate the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, even as late as Gerald Ford in 17. Not not 17, but 1975. And so it had been around in my subconscious a little bit. But it wasn't until I met a local author who'd written a nonfiction book on the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. And Connie, this is a good reason to have a podcast. I invited him to be on my podcast. And we got to talking about the facts of the Meck deck. And I learned all these interesting facts. And his book was really detailed. And it was great. And It it, it argued both sides of of the arguments and everything. And I said, hey, Scott, this is Scott Seifert. I said, Scott, are you going to write the novel on this book? And he goes, uh, no. He says, why don't you write it? I said, well, I'm writing a mystery. I said, but if I write it, will you kind of look at it and give me some feedback? He said, sure. And so that I just immediately pivoted on the book I was working on and decided to dive deep into the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. And it became a much stronger plot line for the mystery I was working on than if I had just gone with the death and a and a will or something. This really had some some meat to it, you know, something we could. And, and it just got it, it got to be fun and enjoyable. And uh, you know, it's it's led me to a lot of sources here in Charlotte I didn't know existed. And so I tell people if you're going to write uh, historical fiction, find someone who's written a book that has all the arguments in it and all the facts. It's a great it's a great source.
0: Yeah. So I think a lot of a lot of us who do write historical fiction or historically inspired fiction. Um, come across like that one piece of media that one book that one um, documentary or something that really sparks that interest in something weird and little but this sort of um, this is sort of like a call to action to to those listening those writers listening who want to write historical fiction who want to add a historical component to a story to pay attention to their local history. Because like you said, that is not something that's gonna show up in a history book, um, mo- well, other than the one that the person right. you, you right. met wrote. It's not gonna show up in class, it's not gonna show up um, in national kind of media, but that's where like the really interesting stuff is, This in these little local stories.
1: Yeah, and the other thing about it that's really fun is if you do find you know, a matter of local history, something, you know, that you're a place that you're from that you get passionate about, there are going to be other people in that community that are going to take an interest in that story totally apart from your novel. Now, if you do a decent job of writing the novel in a way that keeps people interested, keeps them turning the pages, you do two things. You give them entertainment, but as one of my reviewers said, you might learn some history in the process, right? Mm -hmm. And so people that have, you know, an attachment to an area, I mean, that's, I mean, this is we're not really talking marketing but you know everybody wants to sell a few books right part of the thing is you know if you get attached to a story you really love that also happens to be something that you can actually talk about and promote separate and apart from just the fact that it's a a mystery set in a retirement community that gives you more to to discuss than just the novel itself
0: yeah absolutely it opens up a whole lot of marketing and publicity opportunities because now you can reach out um you've got this big local inn um, or statewide interest um, that, that comes into it. Um, so it does give you a whole new angle to talk about in marketing for sure.
1: Yeah, because, you know, basically I'm going to be visiting retirement communities to talk about the retirees solving mysteries. I'm going to be visiting uh, the Mecklenburg Historical Association, the Mecklenburg Genealogical Society, other local history organizations, and a couple of other museums. I'm going to be talking to People that just enjoy a good story and haven't heard this story before—it's a great way to uh, sort of expand, you know, your reader base too. Is to and again, th- th- this is like you said, it's not traditional historical fiction like kind of you wrote when you set your stories in the in the. I think after the Great War, you you said was one of your mm-hmm. series. Uh, you had to kind of go back into that time period. Here, we only go back in the time period in a few scenes, but the time period that you're focused on. Uh, you're really including a lot of that in the narrative. I mean, like I included letters between Jefferson and Adams that are true letters that they wrote. I pulled other information and worked that into the narrative of the book. So my, I guess mine is kind of, we talked about, you know, legal thriller light is sort of historical fiction light in the sense that it's not set in that time period. And yet it's very much influenced by what goes on in that time period, which requires still you know, some research about that period.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you you first got that bit of interest from reading that book. Um, what was your next step after that?
1: Yeah. So after I read the book, um, I interviewed the author. That's you know. And so if the author's living, and if if you, and if you're a writer and you're going to say, Hey, I'm going to turn this story into a novel, you know, contact me. If you got a podcast, like I had, invite him on your podcast. Uh, I interviewed him, and then that led to an actual video presentation we did for the Charlotte Museum of History. So I actually interviewed him twice, got to be friends with him. uh, So that when I had questions, I would email him, he would email me back. And that's a great source, right? To make sure I'm getting things right as I go. So I would say I did that. um, And then I started looking at uh, what other information was available in Charlotte about the MEC deck. I went to websites, the May 20th Society website the Mecklenburg Historical Association website, Charlotte Mecklenburg Library website. These are all great sources if you're looking at, you know, researching mm-hmm. history is to find websites in the area, you know, where you're focused or, and then go in there and dig around and you'll, all these websites had information about the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. And so I researched all that. Uh, I looked online for magazine articles and newspaper articles about the Meck deck. And again, because it's local history, I found articles over time, they were in the Charlotte Observer about Met deck Day and celebrations, you know, 100,000 people showed up at Freedom Park to celebrate Met deck The county declares independence. These are the kind of articles you would find, you know, when you dive into that. So if, like you said earlier, if you're gonna to go to a, you know, do a local history kind of thing, look at the local newspapers, look at the local periodicals. And those were some of the things I did. And then Connie, um, I don't know if you did any of this in some of your historical, you know, when you saw them, but I went and visited the locations, uh, even though it's my own city, you know, you live in your own city, you don't always pay attention necessarily to, to what's going on when you're driving in and out of work like I was doing for years as, as a lawyer. I got out of my car and I walked around my city and I looked at uh, all the different sites and I walked the Trail of History and I walked the uh, uh, the Liberty Walk, which they have in Uptown Charlotte, which has a bunch of different monuments, which I'd passed Many times as a lawyer, you're going from one law office to another to argue a case and never stop to read what was on the plaque, right? Well, I stopped and read what was on the plaques. And so that was, uh, those are all things that I did that I think anyone who's kind of researching a project can do, and it's fun as you get out behind your computer, right? Mm-hmm. Have you done any of that Connie in the way, in the way you've looked at uh, these historical?
0: Oh history? yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have visited you know, locations that I knew I was going to use or that were going to inspire fictional ones. (laughs) Um, uh, There's also like a variety of online resources where you can see um, not as far back as you're talking about, but like in the era where I write in the early 20th century, um, historical photographs of some of those landmark locations so that you can see what it looked like then.
1: Yeah, those are fantastic to come across. Uh, you can actually, I don't know what you write in, but if you write in a program like Scrivener, you can actually go to the web pages. You can actually save your photograph in your, you know, Scrivener research folder there. And so anytime you want to look at it as you're writing, you just click on it and then you click back to what you're writing and you can see what you're writing about. It's kind of amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So technology has made that a lot easier. And and um, I, I love that you mentioned um, local papers because that was like one of my own little research hacks. Um, when that there, there's just an abundance of know, it's not everything. There's because there's so much stuff out there, um, but abundance of you would be surprised local um, like small town newspapers that have been digitized. And so what I did to is like before, I wrote each scene, I read the paper my characters would have been reading first thing in the morning. Um, <laughs> which is a fun way to get into character, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, that is that is a great way to do it. You got sometimes you got to do it on the old microfish, you go to the library and pull it up. But yeah. as you said, if they've digitized them and they put mm-hmm. them on the website, you can see them there too. You might have to enlarge and kind of turn them a little bit to, to see it, uh, it might strain your eyes a little bit, but it's a great way to kind of get. Get yourself in the spirit or the mood of what you know your characters might have been looking at at that time too. Plus, you can find some great articles. You might even run across some names that wouldn't have showed up in you know some of the other research. And you know, also in addition to your local libraries, which would have that either you know in their microfiche or online. Sometimes there will be a state. I found that there's some state archives as well in North Carolina that you can go on, and they save newspaper articles from around the state. And -hmm. you could go in there and search and find different articles about it. Um, I was able to track down, uh, I'd gotten a hint about this article uh, in the New York Herald in 1775. It was 100 years after the Mac deck and I was able to find that and look at it as you know very small print you know they used to put about 20 columns yeah. on, the, on the front pages of those papers very small but uh, you know yeah I was able to find how they went and interviewed the successor to one of the men who allegedly stole the document that had something to do with the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence so that was fun to find it in actual print.
0: Yeah that's really fun and you you yeah you're you might be surprised by the tidbits that you find. Um, whether you're reading a digitized copy or a microfiche copy Um, and even like little things, like especially if you're writing a really, really small, narrow location, um, little things like this road was impassable. So you technically can't put your characters down it or knowing what the weather was like um, is really,
1: really fun. Yeah, I, I think that's a fun part of it. And it doesn't have to all be done necessarily before you start writing. You can you can do some of it, uh, you can write a little bit, um, because if you're, if you ascribe to the notion that all good writing is rewriting, and you can be rewriting this thing anyway, um, maybe you can get some parts of the narrative down, and then you can go kind of explore the world, and you'll stumble across something that will help you figure out how to make that more real, uh, more in the time period, you know, than Olaz was in your first couple of drafts.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, um, because uh, especially as we're we're geeking out about like the nitty-gritty details of a historical <laughs> research um mm-hmm. that for folks who are trying to attempt this for the first time that can sound really overwhelming and off-putting like oh my gosh i have to like have a phd on this subject before i even start writing but you really don't you can do it as you go
1: yeah and one of the things to keep in mind too is and i and I, I got this feedback from my editors and my beta readers, um, I had gotten so deep into the topic and gotten so much about the research, you get this sense that you've got to tell it all, right? And that means you come up with a draft that, like I had, was 120-some thousand words. Well, it didn't need that much history because the plot needed to move, the pace needed to move. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to know everything about the top you don't have to know everything that happened in 1918 when you're writing about 1918 i don't have to know everything that went on in 7075 to write about you know this little period of it um and then once you do gather this information you've got to be very careful not to dump so much of it in the lap of your readers that they get bored with the history you want to kind of keep that history fresh give them just enough i think and uh to keep the plot moving forward i'm sure you Felt this too when you're doing some of your rewrites that you probably put more in there than you needed to, and you had to go back out and take some of it out.
0: Yeah, I had to take some out. I had to cut whole scenes and locations and locations that I had specifically visited <laughs> so that they would go in the novel. Um, but that, that's just what happens. <laughs> Sometimes it just doesn't work.
1: Um, yeah. But the beautiful thing is about this is that it can be, it'll be fun. I mean, if you make it fun, if you enjoy. Uh, if you find that story that you really like and the one that uh, kind of gets you going, and because the reason this story attracted me so much is as, as a lawyer, there are two sides to this story and neither side can prove that the other side is wrong. Uh, the, the Virginians can't prove the North Carolinians are wrong. The North Carolinians can't prove the Virginians are wrong. There are missing documents, but there are witness statements. There's oral history. If you can find that kind of story uh, that gets you energized and engaged in the process, uh, then the research becomes fun. It's not a burden, like you said. You, you just kind of look at it as part of the overall process, and as you fade it into your manuscript, um, you just kind of enjoy that that part of the writing.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, and it's, um, it's going to be another thing, like, you know, A, you don't to manage to overwhelm you, don't have to know everything before you get started. Right. Um. You know, your plot may take you in directions that will require additional research, um, <laughs> but also that it should be it should be joyous. It should be fun. Um. And if it's not super fun, then it might just not be the right story for you.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Every, you know, writing now writing's hard and some days can be harder than others, but writing should be fun. It should be mm-hmm. an escape for you. It should be some time that you can go to another world and you can make something happen. As I said, you know, if you're going to the courtroom, like I do in my books, you want to have fun controlling the outcome. Um, yeah, writing should be fun. And I think um, authors sometimes, you know, forget about that. Uh, maybe they forget about it more when they're writing their 10th uh revised draft or or they're doing the copy (laughs) editing or the final revisions after they've read it a hundred times. But, uh, you know, that first draft should be a blast. You should just be cranking out that terrible first draft and having fun doing it. And then uh, going back and making sure the pieces kind of fit together.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Well, it has uh, been really great chatting with you um, and nerding out about this kind of research stuff. (laughs) So um, do you have any kind of parting thoughts um, or advice for the audience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, if you're gonna write uh, something with the historical bent to you know, find some good sources, like we talked about, they can be physical sources, uh, they can be you know, in books, uh, they can be people that you run into, find that, cogitate on it a little bit, you know, um, maybe visit different places and then, you know, try to do justice to that historical, narrative, and then find, if you can, um, that jumping off point where people are saying as they're reading your book, I wonder how much of this is true. In other words, take that historical narrative as far as you can from a truth standpoint until that imagination comes together to weave you know, things in this novel that you've created. And that's what I tried to do. I researched this and tried to find, how far can I take the truth? for I have to add my imagination in here to solve this particular mystery. So those are a couple of things I would say to people. Have fun doing it. Go find some sources that you like spending some time with, either in person or in the library. Write for fun. Uh, get it on paper, and then rewrite the heck out of it. Uh, and at the end of the day, take out all that extra history you learn, because we don't need it. We want a book that, uh, where, where the pages turn, right?
0: Yeah, but for the pages, try and all those extra little bits like that stuff you can you can then talk about like in different appearances. You can put into like your email newsletter. You you can find other places to use that. Exactly. Okay. So um, so it's been great having you, Landis. Could you um tell folks where we can find you, your books, your podcasts, etc., online?
1: Yeah, great. Thanks for that. Uh and uh charlotte's podcast you can find it at charlotte's podcast.com or wherever you like to listen to your podcast i've now interviewed over 300 authors and uh, had a good time doing it uh, they're local and regional uh and uh, also other states as well and uh it's landisway.com uh for my writing and my books and uh wherever the books are sold the ebook's going to come out march 1st and the I think the audiobooks is sometime in March, and the print book comes out April fifth. So, yeah.
0: All right, excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show,
1: Connie. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed listening to your show, and all the best to you and your future writing as well. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Authoring Onward. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Landis as much as I did. Um, so, yeah, the whole concept of a possible additional, not really additional, prior um, declaration of independence is something totally new to me um, and really fascinating. I can see why he would be so inspired to write about it. So um, that's something cool to check out. Links to all of Landis's um, stuff and places to find the book in the show notes of the episode. So, and Also, make sure if you are interested in the Jump the First Hurdle of Self-Publishing webinar, um, you know, clearing away a lot of those rookie mistakes, getting yourself set up to be off and running out of the gate, March 3rd, 7 p.m. Eastern, and yes, there's a replay, link in the show notes to sign up. Until next week, happy writing, everybody.